Hey, you sexy architect. This is your sexy host, Levi, and you're listening to Remounting Rushmore, where we replace four old white dudes with hotter, cooler people. Tune in each week to hear a new guest, Remount Rushmore. I speak of peace, therefore. Let's Get your up and work. It seems like nobody wants to work these days. Hi, Hi, Patricia. Hello, Mr. Levi. Everybody give it up for Patricia. What's up? The bad bitch from the Bronx. <laughs> That's right. I am the bad bitch from the Bronx. I'm actually a badass. If you want to say badass bitch, you could say that. Because bad, like, I don't know, it connotes like thieving, robberies, <laughs> well, holding up banks. Okay, we're not have you ever stolen anything in your life? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm one of 12 children. Like, give me a freaking break. We were like thieving since we were like zygotes, okay? It was like ridiculous. Before you were even a thought. We were even 12. a thought. We were, we were robbing each other's like salami sandwiches. We were like... 12 kids in need- the Bronx. Yes. You're stealing something. Okay, okay. We are stealing before anybody else gets it. So it's like the pre-steal. Okay? What do you think the biggest thing is you've ever stolen? As a child, like pre-adult. Um, not saying that you steal as an adult, but no, we're not saying that at all. Um, <laughs> we're saying we are. Um, when I was a kid, we had to sell this thing called World's Finest Chocolates for school. Like it was like this, you know. It was yeah, like, I did the okay, similar, okay, some similar thing, right? I used to steal chocolate from my stash. <laughs> like there was like no cash. Like there was all this chocolate gone. So they might be, they were like, "Where's the money that you put?" And I was like, "Well, I kind of like." I used to eat the chocolate, and um, it was a problem. It was a real... You went to Catholic girls' school. Oh, well, okay. I went to twelve years of Catholic school, like that is from wild. from like elementary school to uh, through high school. So the first one to eight was like coed, and then I went to an all girls Catholic high school from nine to twelve. And you were were you a theater kid? Oh my gosh, I was in dancing school as a kid. Like my parents put me in dancing school when I was like three. And I was in all the theater productions, dancing throughout all of that. I was a tapper mostly. <laughs> I was just like I was a hoofer, what they call it, a hoofer, like you're like dancing. Um, and um, and then like I was in all the school plays in like high school. I was like I played Scrooge, like with all the like my little seventeen year old self. I like I like I like felt Scrooge. I was like I like had that. Had the powder in my hair. I Wait, and it, it was an all woman cast then. Had, all woman yeah. cast, yes. Jacob Farley, girl. Everybody, and we were Everybody. all teenagers. Yes, and I was Scrooge. Was it a big theater school, or were you kind of an outcast, like most theater kids? In okay, so I wasn't an outcast because I was student council president. <laughs> like, pick a struggle. Damn. I know. I was not even pick a little struggle. I was like, they hate me at home. I hate everyone at home. So I am gonna have to work so hard to gain the approval of everyone in high school, which I did. I became student council president and I was the lead in all the plays and I was like, oh, I'm going to work to make everybody remember me. What was your favorite play in high school? Uh, my favorite play in high school was Bye Bye Birdie. Okay. Bye Bye Birdie. Um, work. And, um, and, and I was determined <laughs> that everyone was going to vote for me and I was going to be student council president because the reason why I wanted to be student council president is because I used to watch Barbara Walter's like all her interviews and every star it seemed that she interviewed, they were like, were you student council president? They're like, yes, I was. And I was like, I am going to be student council president because when Barbara Walters interviews me, meanwhile, she's dead. But like, the point is, is that like, I had this like 
determination. You were just fucking. And then what's so funny is that I left when I was, I left New York when I was 25. So a minute ago. And, uh, People still ask my brothers and sisters, are you Patty Canale's like, because I went by Patty Canale in high school. Are you Patty Canale's sister? And they're like, yes, I am. And they're like, what's she's up to? And they're like, oh, she's an actress in LA. And they're like, really? You know, Called it's it. just like so. I'm sure they expected it. You're a dramatic ass. Of like, course. you were staying in the Bronx. I can tell you that. <laughs> I was just, you know what it was? It was just that like, I couldn't while out the way that I wanted a while out, like in, in, in the boroughs, like, because everyone somehow was like six degrees of separation to yeah. my family. And like, you were in, you're, you're wiling out. You're, you're 20. Do you think so, you'll ever move back to the Bronx or to New York? Not necessarily the Bronx. Um, I never rule things out, but a, a job, a, a job in the, in the entertainment business would have to take, like I would do Broadway in a heartbeat. Yeah. Like I would do, you know, if I, think I be great for Broadway. Oh my gosh, for sure. But the thing is, is that you need to be a name before right. you do, a, you know, be a lead in a Broadway show to get people in the seats. So, you know, the goal is to like have, create the show, get the buzz, right. have a, a few seasons, get it sold. And then like, you're a name. Oh yes, we're doing a revival of whatever. And um, I, I feel what like- would you want to? What would your? What would you want your first breakout role if it didn't matter what your name was and you're just like this part was made for me? What part's made for you? Um, on Broadway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, on porn. No, no. <laughs> I got nothing to say. Listen, I got nothing to say about anybody who chooses to live their life that way. That's on them. But nobody wants to see all these little. Wobbly bits, okay? Um, I'm just saying. And I, that's, yeah. Anyway, change of subject. Um, why does it always come back to porn with you? I don't understand. Well, like, that's why I brought you here. Can okay. you not tell by this, the stage? The, I mean, it okay. is It is pretty porny. It is kind of like cammy, like yeah. cam girly, like over Absolutely. here. Yeah, for sure. Um, no, what's your favorite, what, like, role? You I think? think that, well, there's, there's, there's two that I've always <laughs> had in my heart that I knew that when I got to a certain age that yeah. I would want to play them. One right. is Gypsy and Gypsy, uh, okay. like Gypsy um, Mama Rose. Yeah. That is like a tour de force role. And it's been done a million times on Broadway. So I don't even know if like by the time I, whatever, but the other one was Auntie Mame. From? Yeah, from Mame. Okay. Like, like Auntie Mame, like the, and when I saw that movie, when I was, I was, a, I was, ki- I was a kid. I was, I was like, I don't know, 11 or 12. And I saw Rosalind Russell be this like fabulous auntie name who was like, you know, rich and like taking care of her, her nephew and like, darling, you want to go to art school, you know, like uh-huh. paying the money and like, here's this, this Tibetan priest I met in Saskatchewan and like, you know, had this like <laughs> full, like beautiful place in Manhattan and like was just like the most interesting, fabulous auntie. I just thought to myself, yes. That- I could see you as um, an Annie. the <gasps> Miss Hannigan? Yes. Dream. Dream. <laughs> little girls, little girls, <laughs> everywhere I turn, I can see them. Oh, my exactly. God. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Uh, have you seen any previews of Jinx in what, Chicago? Yes. I saw... Um, I saw her. Is she traveling with that, or she'll only be on Broadway? She's going to do just Broadway yeah. for six weeks, eight shows a week. Wow! Wow! Yes. What's the double? Is it matinee on Sunday, and then a it later is show? matinee on? I believe it is su- uh, Sunday and Wednesday, so they have one day off Monday. Damn! So it's Tuesday, Wednesday matinee, Wednesday evening, Thursday evening, Friday evening. Uh, I believe it's. 
or maybe it's a Saturday. I there's two. There's basically I don't know if it's a Saturday matinee or Sunday matinee, but I think it's a Sunday matinee. Right. And so it's two twice a week, That's two shows. Crazy. And then Monday they're dark. When I was on in the production of Lion Lewis in the Wardrobe, off off, way off Broadway, there was a matinee on Sunday, and I was like, I'm a working actor. And I'm the next Brad Pitt. Oh my god! Like whenever you're Love in the th- well, theater kids. They're, yes. Oh, theater kids are they're the freakiest too. Yeah, for sure. They're for fucking sure. for for sure. Well, at an all girls school in theater, how did that? The thing is, is that I think that I knew I was a misfit from like childhood. Like I was like everybody <laughs> is trying twelve to, of you. Everybody is trying to jockey for position to like be the most approved of, and I was just like. I'm an alien and my family doesn't get me. <laughs> yeah. And like, I'm not looking to get married. Like, I'm not like, that's not like, oh, can't wait. Like, I was like, oh no. Yeah. Like, graduate high school, go to college, have a kid, get married. Yeah. Like, there and was all this, shit. like, thing of like, which, you know, again, nothing wrong with that. If that's right. your journey and if that's your drive and, and your dream, which some of my siblings, that's their dream. You yeah. Know, they, their dream is to be a wife and mother. I'm like, that's amazing. Because I know what what it has taken for me to, um, you know, get be be a person and work at my dreams, you know. Yeah. So, but I I you know I definitely got a taste of what that felt like in high school. I mean, I had had it all through grammar school too, like and in in uh, dancing school. So I was surrounded by a lot of create, creative people. Uh-huh. But when I left um, high school, when I graduated from high school in the Bronx, and then. I got a partial scholarship to a um, conservatory to AMDA in New York City. Um, that's when I felt like my creative life really began. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of theater kids feel like misfits growing up, especially in places that like the theater isn't as welcome or cool. Mm-hmm. Like if you're not in a big city mm-hmm. and like they can see the fruits of your labor paying off, like transitioning from high school theater to Broadway or mm-hmm. like, you know, so like in the Midwest, especially like theater kids or people or artists are like, mm, that's not a real job right. until you make it. That's you know, right. Then they're like, oh, wait, I never said yes, that. Yes, exactly. Like, where's my, yes, where's exactly. My that's yeah. exactly yeah. it. And and I for me, you know, in the Bronx, I'm sure it was the same way. Like, Yeah, the Bronx, you know, the Bronx, even though it's part of it's still part of New York City, like the outer boroughs, they have their own different flavors. Yeah. And a lot of them like I was, you know, I'm from a big Italian family. So. There's a, you know, there's a, there's a mentality that comes with that where it's like very traditional, very like religious, very like you got to do this. There's one road to go. And especially if you're a woman, in my experience, you know, there are different rules for the boys than there is for the girls. And, um, I, when I went to New York city and I brought my fluorescent, you know, wardrobe (laughs) with me. And was, you know, and open to the world of queer. Well, welcome to the world of queer and welcome to the world of like fashionistas. Like, right. like, OK, so like this was like the mid 90s and like I'm showing up with my, you know, grown out perm and my feel the energy <laughs> pants. And um, I, I take the train down to, you know, AMDA and everybody's like in muted tones and it's like the 90s and everybody's like cool. And like, you know, like just yeah, just like minimalistic and their aesthetic is so, and like being taken by the hand by the like the beautiful queens that I was in class with they're like honey you're in the city now no more fluorescent like <laughs> really yeah what oh did they put you in like more like we went to this yeah more more just like muted like art like there was a lot of like paisley like it was it was like the it I was love like, a good paisley it, there was like paisley it was like 
hard it was like it was like muted all like olive greens like muted tones this is the mid 90s so like grunge is like there and then it's like it's all about it's not about like new it's about like vintage stuff that like you make cool like maybe yeah. all dresses and neck, you know which and is what everybody's doing right now which is everybody's yeah. doing right it now just because fashion itself, yeah. recycles itself. what was the nightlife like during that time um i because you're how many years sober now 21 22 i'm 21 years that sober, is yeah. insane yeah that is it's incredible. really really amazing Good for you thank you um but when i you let know, me i actually have a button for this it's a clap track <laughs> oh my gosh that's amazing um <laughs> So that's awesome. Good yeah. Um, but I loved New York City Light Neck back there. There was like Webster Hall. There was there was um, Buddha Bar. There was, um, you know, there was Envy. There was Twilo. There were all these like cool. Are these gay bars light. or are these like. These were like everyone bars. You yeah. know what I mean? Like these were bars that everybody it was just like. Studio 64. Yeah, well, yeah. 54. 54. But, but that was well, 64 was. Yeah, I know it was, was before your time. That was but, way, 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 way. I'm younger. Um, yeah, I know and, that was way before your time, but like that kind but of that inspired. kind of like vibe, like limelight was just this like free for all electronic. Like it was in an old church and it was like, it was in Texas oh, wow. City. Like it was, it's called, you know, it's limelight. And it was just this crazy thing. Webster Hall, the same thing. They had like several floors and everybody was dancing and it was just crazy. And people would ask you point blank, come home with me. And you're like, uh, no, or yes, mm. or whatever. What was Dep- your answer? Um, no comment. <laughs> um, <laughs> depending on what time of night it was. Yeah. Depending. If depending. you just got there. No, I'm Yeah. Like, you know, it's a thing, you know, it's just like that, you know, two o'clock where everybody's like 2 a.m. Like, the, uh, like right, all the lights yeah. come on and it's like, they're like, um, you can't go home. You, you don't have to go home and you, you can't, can't stay, stay here. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So that was a lot of fun. But for me, honestly, like, because I, I uh, truthfully, I was partying so hard. I don't quite remember most of it. <laughs> That's the truth. Um, but one of the things that I loved about my time at dr- drama school in New York City was just like you felt creatively inspired all the time and you're in class and you're learning how to mold a character and you're learning how to, um, you know, I was in the musical theater, uh, uh, part. So you're learning how to like interpret a song and you're learning how to do all of these amazing things like Alexander technique. And they're teaching you like basically from zero, you know, zero to a hundred, how you go from just a normal civilian to an actor, right. you know, and, and in a professional setting. And it was literally like oxygen for me. Like yeah. I finally had felt that there were other people like me around. And yeah. That, that's like, a great feeling. And, and it was just liberating such a great to feel, at 17, you know, feeling that like first time in my life that I was like, <sighs> people that think like me, people that are, that act like me, people that are like as dramatic as me or right. as funny as me, you know, it was just, it was such a wonderful thing and I recommend that to anyone. I just say like get in class and if you feel like you're different than everybody else like the arts Own are it. probably for you. <laughs> you probably you probably are, are an artist I would sway towards the arts. <laughs> exactly. Test, I'm like I don't... dip your toe in the theater. <laughs> exactly. Cuz literally and you're see probably see what happens. You're probably I was actually um I was in improv class before I came to set, mm-hmm. and I was talking to this girl in my improv class, and she was like, yeah, I was like in theater, and they were always like making me be the tree. So I was like, what can I do that I can be whoever the fuck I want? And she's like, so I started doing improv. Because in improv, you literally can be Anything anytime you, you want. Yes. And Groundlings, shout out to the Groundlings, my favorite place in the world. 
um, it's so character based. Yes. So they literally want you to be somebody that you're not. Correct. She was like, I was always the fucking tree, or they'd put me in the choir. Yeah. And I was like, no, I want to fucking be somebody else. Yes. Have you taken improv class? I have. I actually have taken a class at the Groundlings. I took. Um, I love the Groundlings. I, I, t- I took class at um, Second City, uh, a writing class there. Um, I have, and then I, I did some improv, like it was, a uh, it was like actors, uh, actors improv in the Valley. Um, I have, you know, I've kind of done the whole gamut from like, right. uh, method acting. Um, I did, uh, Meisner technique. I've, I've, you know, I did two years at AMDA. I did like all these years at Imagine Life. So I, and, and I've, I have like, I have like like tools that I have, yeah. you know, like I have tools. I know how I can mold a character. I right. know how I can, you know, how I can talk to other people or how I can morph into something. So there's not one technique I think that I use all the time. I just, I grab from my bag of tools and, and I'm just, just like, okay, I can use this. I can use that. You, yeah. Et cetera. Um, should we try some improv? Yeah. Okay. Audience. Let's set the scene. <laughs> What's the scene? Where are we at? Where are we at? Let's be the bathhouse. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're at a bathhouse. Um, and okay, we're at a bathhouse. You just bought a ticket, and I'm the ticket puncher before okay. you go into the bathhouse. Okay. Okay. So your exterior shot, you're coming to the bathhouse. Okay. <laughs> Hi, welcome to Bathaporium Bathhouse. What can I do for you? Um, tick one ticket for three days. <laughs> Sweetheart, you look nervous. I'm a little nervous. <laughs> Have You're you ever right. been here before? No. I don't know where that accent was. I, it's okay. <laughs> You've never been here before, huh? Um, no, I haven't, but my friend Levi told me about this place, and it supposedly... Levi, is, we know Levi. Yeah. We know, you know Levi. Levi. Yeah, yeah. He usually comes here with a small Latin man. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, yeah, so he told me about this place. How do you know Levi. He's involved in some crazy shit. Levi and I, we we work together sometimes, <laughs> and um, he let it he let it slide that uh, he's been a regular here, and he said it's as far as bathhouses go, it's the cleanest one. All right, what kind of service are you looking for? I, I am uh, <laughs> want to be here for one or more nights, <laughs> depending on what I find. <laughs> looking for a lost weekend <laughs> and I didn't have money to go to a, a sex club in Germany so I thought I would end up here in West Hollywood even though I'm like chicken at a vegan retreat I still want to be here I feel like I'm going to make some lifelong friends okay so you're looking for two to three nights maybe <laughs> All as right. long as you give me more, more than one towel <laughs> Do you plan on sleeping here? It depends on what you mean by sleep. <laughs> if I pass out or black out, that might be considered sleep. But <laughs> For the most part, you won't be sleeping. I probably won't be sleeping. Do you want to start in the steam room or the pool? The pool. <laughs> I want to swim laps before the night is over. Although... There's there, a lot of there's a lot of kids in there swimming laps. There's a lot of kids swimming laps or 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 having bodily functions. Come, oh dear. There's a lot of swimmers in there. A lot of swimmers, like, <laughs> literally and figuratively. <laughs> okay, maybe I'll start in the steam room. It's a little bit more. Uh, more it's a more bit crowded more though. What? It's more crowded. Oh. 
<laughs> That's too bad. <laughs> maybe we can uh maybe we can start off in a sauna. <laughs> the sauna, the you know, the sauna will be probably cuz people don't like heat. Look, sweetheart, I can tell you're new and I want yeah. this to be a great experience yes. for you. So I'll start you in a room. Okay. Dark. Yeah, start me in a, room. a dark room. A dark room. It is dark and dark. there's no lights. Okay. And it's That's cold. That's usually what happens in a dark No, room. it's not cold. It's like a great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. Um, there, it's cold. But it's cold. There's a lot of blankets, a lot of Sherpa blankets. Ooh. Yeah, and just don't wear your shoes. Okay. You can I take can your shoes that. off. I could do that. Actually, just give me your shoes now. What are you going to do with them? <laughs> don't worry about it, sweetheart. We'll see you in a couple days. Okay. Yeah. Um, can I have more than one towel, please? <laughs> and see. Yes. yes. That sounds like you have experience with that. Have you ever been to a bathhouse? I have not. Would you go to a bathhouse? Um, I the only- okay. So, well, I think everybody sexualizes bathhouses because there's bathhouses that you can go to, like couples go, and it's just like expression of nudity. Oh yeah. Like no, 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 I'm no. not looking for to get railed in the bathroom. Yeah. I mean, as a gay man. That's our That's, bathhouses. Our yes. bathhouses, like you go in on Friday night and you leave and Monday you, morning, right? Like just in the nick of time to make it to your eight a.m. meeting, right? Like, absolutely. But like there are like nicer, like oh, I'm not. Luxurious. I'm not talking. Here's the thing. Like I respect the fact that there are bathhouses for gay men that exist because there were no other. You know, at the at the beginning of of you know time, if if you will. Um, that was the only place where gay men could convene right. and get together with people where they wouldn't be arrested or they well, wouldn't be. Well, I recently you know. read something like people, the older, an older gay man gave an interview and he, and this was like, he gave the interview in like the seventies. And so like, he's talking about like in the thirties and forties, they would wear like a lapel or something or like a red tie and a red tie meant that like you were like going to the, like you're gay. Yeah. Like you were down. Yes. You were down. Like the hanky thing. The hanky like the thing. hanky yeah. thing where people, yeah. you know, as it evolved from the red tie to like the hanky thing where there was a hanky code where right. you knew how to spot somebody. And here's the thing. As, you know, as an ally, you know, um, I would never want to, um, you know, make anyone uncomfortable going to a gay man's space that's predominantly mostly yeah, gay men why would no i want business there. there's no business why do i why do i need to go there like clean up after him or yeah something? no 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 there's no reason i need to be there however there are a lot of korean spas in yeah. this area that have like, like nice really nice yeah. like that are very affordable and you go in there and you soak and you wander around you know, i've always wanted to do the hot stones oh yeah it's really that really amazing fucking... and those women are so fierce like if you do a massage there i don't know it's like a hundred bucks but they like they rub you so hard with jade that like sheets of your skin come off, really? and it's like so amazing. And with salt, it's like they scrub yeah. you. It's like well, you've told me before you're a moaner when you get yes, a massage. Yes, I do. <laughs> okay, and you're not allowed in a lot of salons on the west side of Los Angeles. Well, it's not that I'm not allowed <laughs> in salons. It it is. I have tried to go and get a massage when they just open hoping that there's no one else in yeah. there. As you get later in the day, more people are going right. to coming for a massage. But if you get there early in the day, I've it's been my experience, especially <laughs> when I've gone to Thai massage, which I love. Thai massage. Woo -woo. What's um, the difference between Thai and Korean massages? Um the Korean women at the Korean spa, they uh they stand there and they are and they're like um not only massaging you but like scrubbing, like oh, okay. doing like a hard scrub and massage right. combination. Where like sheets of your skin are coming, all the dead they yeah. like they do with the soak. It's like a whole thing. 
Thai massages when they're like small and they walk on you oh. and they like have a bar on the ceiling and they like they're like just little fucking foot, your like, shit get, up, just fucking is, getting yes. in there with toes and shit. It's like un. I've never experienced anything like it. Like it is so good, and I've just been like, ooh, like, <laughs> like you know, they like get in the nook and crannies of your back and they like just moaning your, and, and just you're moaning. Like they're just and you're, it, it's just and I've been told shh, you know, like or like like can you quiet it down over there? Like you know, because I'm I mean I can't help it. I'm just I'm just no, like it's a release of, like a release of tension. Absolutely. Like you're just fucking letting and, it all you're out. Just letting it all out and you're just like just some gas. Oh. Yeah, ga- well, I never really I always make sure that I use the restroom before I go in there because I just never can't wanna, trust it. I just never want to like have an open, you know, yeah. open anal cavity like you know, pooting away. No, 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 no. I try to eat very little. I make sure I walk. You know, right. I take a shower before, and I'm really, I smell really good from head to toe. So that does it I, turn you on? No. See, that's my fear. I've never gotten a massage because I'm worried I'm just gonna be like amped up the whole time. Well, I mean, the thing is, is that because I mean, like, there is a little bit of sexuality behind it because it's like they're massaging you, they're rubbing you gently. Like, I think it's just natural to be like, this but is I kind of that, like. I think that if you had an erection, though, and if you had, you know, you keep your, I well, keep your under under. They would probably think something else. No, but I mean, the thing is, is that like, if you had underwear on, like, you're not naked. Right. Like, I like obviously they like move your underwear down to like get your gluteus, you know, whatever, but um, you know, massage your gluteus maximus or you know, your butt. Yeah, but, you don't have to be all professional. No, but I mean, like, no, but I mean, like, I, your I just. Your ass cheeks. Your ass cheeks. But I'm, what I'm saying is they're not, like, they're not, they're not rubbing my vagina is what I'm saying. Like, yeah. If they had done that, maybe Well, I if would you're get... turned on, it's not as obvious as if I'm turned on. Correct. But. And in some massage parlors here in West Hollywood. They take care of your, they take care of your, of your thing. Well, that has not been my experience. I always go to places that it's like, please do not ask yeah. for, you know, favors we and stuff don't... like that. We don't do that. We don't and I OTPHJs, honestly, I don't, nothing. and I prefer a woman to massage right. me just because it's just safer. I've had men massage me and I, I just, I feel, I feel much more comfortable when right. it's a woman massaging me because yeah, I know that the, 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 you know, like there's not going to be any of that. There's not going to be any Can like. Can they get in as deep and hard as a man? Yeah, because I think as, as a woman, they know how hard they like it. And men oh, don't really, men are like. Am I hurting you? And you're like, no, you're not hurting me. Fucking, like, fuck, put some fucking elbow yeah, right? In exactly, there. exactly. And women, especially Asian women, man, they know the spots. They're just like digging their little toe into like your, <laughs> and you're just like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Like right. I've never in my life. And they're like, and they're all like, you're drooling, I'm drooling. Just it's fucking... just, it's heavenly. It's yeah. heavenly. And I haven't had one in a minute because it, they're just. Oh, they're so good. I moved. And so, like, the place that I uh, used to go to all the time, um, uh, Siam uh, in in um, Thai Town, is Siam uh, Classic, it's closed since the pandemic. I don't know if they're around anymore, but they were so great. They used to know me in there. They're like, Patricia, hello. Come on in. And, like, I would go there early. And right. they're like, you have time for one hour? They're one hour, yes. And, like, I showed it, like, the best bed. <laughs> And like it was all smelling like just lavender, just beautiful like bathroom, beautiful bathroom, pristine, clean, like whatever. And then I would go mess up, mess up my after after a massage. I would go next door to Thai patio and order <laughs> order some enough food. for a small oh, army. Yes, exactly. And then just be like, mm, 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 oh my Fucking. god, this is amazing. You know what I mean? It's like <laughs> just fully relaxed, fully relaxed, fully like. There's nothing better than a massage, in my yeah. opinion. 
I if I had to if I had my druthers, I would literally have one every week if I could. Just right. like every week. All right. Yeah. Well, let's take a break and let's go get a massage. Okay. Yeah. And we're back. It How is. was your massage? Oh my gosh, this little lady <laughs> named Tang. She like worked my back like it was like her job, which it is. But like she was just Fucking. like I mean, I'm talking about on her little tippy tippy toes. Her like feet were like that big. Just she just there. like got in like massaging my just little fucking. like lower back. I was like, okay, there's parts don't touch, and there's <laughs> like, like other. There are. Some I was like, I was like, I was like, more. please, please, please. Yeah, I mean, those little ladies, they got a lot of strength. Yeah, a lot. I wouldn't know. I've never. In, but, but yeah i'll take no. your word for it yes so i brought you here for a reason yes we're filming a porn no we're not filming <laughs> a porn. i told you nobody wants to see my wobbly bits okay everybody wants to see your wobbly bits yeah, i okay. took a poll i think we have um now like 18 trillion viewers every episode and like every nice. one of them was like get her naked yeah uh, yeah that would be a no that would be a hard pass okay like absolutely no um, so we are remounting rushmore yes we are he said it there it is he said it he is we are remounting rushmore i love it and the people want you to be the architect behind it all right so let's take down these four old white geezers oh yes absolutely who are we putting up from left to right who's your from left to right right. who's your first person on the left uh first person on the left um is the character of rocky balboa um you're putting rocky rocky balboa yes um, so he's an, he's like an Italian superhero in yeah. our culture. And um, like the Rocky series basically cemented that character as like, he's like our Batman, our <laughs> super, superhero. No, yeah, yeah sure. like this guy that comes from like nothing um, in Philadelphia and becomes, you know, the most extraordinary heavyweight champion of the world. And he's like, hot. And he's hot. And he, and, you know, it's just a classic, underdog story that is just like one of the top films of all time and sylvester stallone still to this day is like an attractive older man yeah i mean he he is i mean uh, he he had a little too much work done for my taste you think so oh yeah but but i i will always have a soft spot in my heart for character he wrote he directed i mean he like he created what was his inspiration um I don't. I just mean, wanted to tell just story. wanted to tell this story. I yeah. mean, he also boxed, just like as a uh, okay. as a person, like yeah. he boxed. But he, I don't think he he didn't do anything professionally. And he and he told he started to tell the story of this kid from like nowhere, the middle of nowhere in Philadelphia, who like was this you know guy used to break break knees for a, you know yeah. a local mobster and he would, would do this in real life. No, not no. He, oh, the, in the, the, movie. the story okay, in the movie, yeah, yeah, yeah. and he became you know he was this like guy that everybody everybody was you know counted out. He'd yeah. been boxing for too long, and but he did all these things that you saw that you were like, ooh, you know, he he works for a mob guy, and like and also he boxes. But then there was the tender side of him where he went to the pet shop and he like had a you know had had pet turtles and like right. talked to the woman you know the girl that that Adrian who becomes his partner becomes his wife down the road but she was also like this shy um woman who everybody had forgotten about or uh-huh. kind of put, you know put to the side she's a spinster whatever and he found beauty in her and beauty in the animals and so you really saw this juxtaposition of this you know fighter guy but with a with a tender heart yeah and they choose him randomly to fight the world heavyweight champion of the world and he just 
I always get choked up when I talk Aww. about this because like like he's he, an Italian legend. He's like, an he's Italian. Like, he's our Italian superhero. Yeah. Rocky Balboa is like Italian superhero. He's literally like like bat, our Batman. And he like he he doesn't think in his head that he could beat Apollo Creed, who's the heavyweight champion yeah. in the world. But he's just like, I want to go the distance with Creed just to let him know. I want to go like, the distance. I want to just go the distance so that they know I wasn't some bum. Yeah. You know what I mean? And he he and Apollo, Apollo says in the in the first Rocky that he's going to beat him, Apollo, Creed in three. He says, I'm going to beat him in three, you yeah. know? And they go 15 rounds. And, like, it's just by, by like, like a technicality that Apollo Creed wins and Rocky is just bloody. And they like, he literally went 15 rounds with the champion at the end of Rocky. He's like, I did, I did. you know, and they're just like crying. And it's like, yeah. it's just this moment that like, he didn't win, but he went the distance. So he's my number one. <laughs> he went the fucking distance. He went. Fucking... Have you climbed the Rocky stairs in Philly? I have not yet. I did. Did you? Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it was Was it uh, amazing? I huffed it. You huffed it. Yeah, yeah no, that, those are some steep stairs. Then, you better believe as soon as I got up there, I put my hands in the air. Absolutely. You have to do that. Yes. Absolutely. You have to. You have to do that. Why do you think that story stuck with like the Italian community so much? Well, well I think it's specific to New York Italians. It, well, East Coast Italians, because he's it's yeah. in Philly, but Philly, all those all those tri-state areas, especially yeah. Um, I think because Rocky Balboa is someone that we can relate to. Somebody maybe from a lower class, you know, right. environment, a working class environment who maybe didn't have a lot of money. The guy had no money or maybe he didn't really he wasn't good in school. And, uh -huh. you know, we can all relate to that guy. You know, like some of us are that guy. Some some of us don't, you know. And back in the day in the 70s when this was done, like. There was no like, oh, he's neuro neurodivergent or he has a learning disability yeah. or you know what I mean? They're like, you can't go, you, you can't get through high school, you whatever, you're a bum, get you're, a trade. Yeah, you know what I mean? Idiot. It was like, yeah, you're, you're an idiot, you're, you know, whatever. Yourself, yeah. And so he's had all those things hyped up on him. And me as an Italian woman and like, especially relating to the character of Adrian, who's like taking care of her brother, who's like, you know, I cook for you, I clean for you, made me feel like nothing. You know, it's like. I as a as a young kid related to that. So I think that I think right. that as as a community as Italians and seeing that just the heart that this guy had. Yeah. We can we can have we have that inside of us. That will to like I may not have I may not be the smartest but I'm going to succeed in whatever I put gonna, my mind to. Gonna what? Go the distance. Go the distance. Yeah, absolutely, distance. absolutely. Yeah. So I feel That's like awesome. yeah. I feel like Rocky Balboa is number one. On okay. Rushmore. Who's are we? Who are we going next? Right next to Balboa. Next to Balboa is Whitney Houston. Uh, if I the voice, my voice or her voice? Her voice. Oh. I mean, okay. <laughs> I am probably gonna, no. Oh my god! I am probably gonna cry when I talk about her because there's so many people with amazing voices right. out there, but there are very few that like hit to the heart of me, like literally move me to tears. And Whitney Houston is one of those. Her voice was such a gift, you know, uh, from another place. Yeah, that and was not human. Not human, and also her beauty. Yeah, her beauty and the voice was just like this extraordinary extraordinary like thing that will never be replic replicated right. in my opinion how old was she when she died 
She was like 47, 48. That's insane. It is so insane because she was she was on the scene and like got a record deal. Maybe she was 18 or 19. And what she gave the world. And I mean, like, here's the thing. I we could have a whole other podcast about addiction. And like I don't <laughs> wanna I, I really don't wanna, you know, I don't really wanna use this time that we're talking about Rushmore to really talk about the artist and about what she gave the world. Right. And her the way she sang. Her vocal range, her timber, the way she interpreted a song, and the way that she smiled while she was singing. Effortless. Effortlessly was, like, from another planet. Yeah. Literally, like, I-, I get chills when I think about, just like, I had a, my friend, uh, my friend from high school has a kid uh, who's, like, 11 years old, and he's, uh-huh. like, a musician. He plays guitar. He plays, you know, uh, he plays the drums. And when we were hanging out, um, he said, who do you think is one of the greatest singers of all time? And I said, Whitney Houston. He goes, who? And I was like, okay. I freaking brought up YouTube and like her Star Spangled Banner. Okay. Which, by the way, there is no one who will ever sing the Star Spangled Banner like Whitney Houston did. If you can turn it out singing the Star Spangled Banner... That's like, and she and and it sold like a million, like millions and millions of copies because she she was just like, oh say, like in her like. Let's hear it. Let's hear your. (laughs) I'm not warmed up. Well, another time we'll sing, but not right now. I'm not trying. I'm I'm talking about Whitney. I'm not trying to be Whitney. Okay, let's just you know. I can sing. I can sing like moment in time, but I I have to be ready for it. No, no, no. Okay, that's a very good choice because she deserves to be. She deserves a monument for I sure. I mean, for sure. Whitney Houston, Rocky Balboa, Whitney Houston. Do you know what they did with her room at the Beverly Hills Hotel? I do not. That's a good. I wonder what. I don't know. Because that's where she overdosed. She did. Yeah. She, so she she drowned in the bath. Right. Yeah. I, I wonder if. Well, they probably wouldn't tell you, like, or if they just like don't use the room or. I have no idea. I I you know what. I, it's weird because like I don't know how much time passed or um because it's been it's been like a decade or whatever. When did she die? I want to say was it 2010? Was it before or after Michael Jackson? After. So because he died in 2009. Yes. She she died in 2010. Wow. I want to say 2010 or 2011, something like, yeah. something like that. Um, and it's been like like I said, it's been like it's been like 10 years or whatever since right. her death or something like that. More than that. Um, and when I did went, Bobby Brown? Bobby. Christina. Bobby Christina passed away, I think, a few years after her, her mom. So she died after Whitney Houston. Yes. Wow. Same way. Was Whitney still performing up until her death? She was, but her voice, those top notes were gone. Were they? You know, they were, yeah, she was playing that night. She was going to be at the uh, Clive Davis party of the Grammys uh-huh. and overdosed and died and wasn't able to make it to, to the party. But when you see her later years, like, you know, she, uh, like that last song that she did, I turned to you. She just didn't have that because she had smoked for so long. Oh you know? yeah, it's like when you, and drugs and dr- you know drugs, drugs smoke, drinking. And, yeah, drinking. All of yeah. that will just tear at your voice. And that that she had like a four octave range, and that's why I mean, and she was croaking at the top. Like when yeah. she's singing, I'm I turn to you. You could tell she just didn't have the notes that she used to have. I mean, when you smoke. You know, crack, cocaine, whatever, smoking, whatever you're smoking, whatever you're, yeah. smoking you're drinking, that all is going to just... And then going out and performing. And then so going out and performing and, just, cords, yeah. and really being a hot mess. Like, it's just, it takes a toll. Right. You just can't have that kind of, you can't have do that kind of, you know, those kind of drugs and maintain that voice. Yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. Good yeah. choice. So we got Rocky, 
Yes. Whitney. Whitney. Who's next? Oprah Winfrey. Ah, uh, are we putting Oprah and Whitney right by each other? I think so. Yeah. Um, because Whitney allowed Oprah to interview her when she was talking like real serious about the you know the the demise of her marriage yeah. and like all of that, and I just. Well, oh. Oprah does that with like Oprah still does that. Like, oh she yeah, did that with Megan and Harry. Oh yeah, she did that with Adele. Yeah, I feel like Oprah's like everybody's grandma that you want. to Yes, talk to. and and everybody's mentor. I and feel like mentor, I feel like absolutely. United States and worldwide mentor. Yeah. you know she's somebody that came from nothing, a poor black child, in Mississippi, Where's she from? Mississippi, Mississippi. She um her her parents didn't really like her very much. Like her mom dropped her off at her grandma's, and like it was just like she. She had every obstacle, like every obstacle in her way. Yeah. And the thing that saved her was that when she went to school, her teachers were kind to her and taught her that like she was smart. Did she go to a white, like was it still... I think she grew no. She grew up in she grew up in a segregated South. You know, she grew up in grew up in Jim Crow. She grew up in a time when you know whatever. And then she went to she went to high school and she went to college. And then out of college, she she got a degree in journalism. And she was just like ready to ready to go over the world and ready to go. And she did. And there were times, you know, and I I watched super. I listened to Super Soul Sunday, like Uh um, you know, my my morning walks. And she just talks about with honesty about the obstacles that she you know came up against and how people because she was a woman of color you know passed her over for things and and who she met that influenced and changed her Could life you imagine passing oprah over yes back in the day back in the well, back in the 70s oprah, yeah. before she was oprah winfrey back in the 70s but back in the 70s and like early 80s and you know this this black woman who is intelligent whatever and you're like yeah but you're black. But you're yeah. black. You know what I mean? And so she, you know, despite all of those, all of those, um, those barriers, she continued on, you know, which is so extraordinary. Right. You know, she's such an inspiration for, to all, you know, and, and, um, and it, this is, you know, and what I also love is that she knows her power. She knows who she is. She's Oprah Winfrey. Uh-huh. but. She's always in tune with the fact that she's a teacher and she is teaching people how to be better versions of themselves. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like there was a friend of mine who said that he was in an event. This is, this will tell you everything about Oprah Winfrey <laughs> that I, I, I love hearing Oprah stories, right? I have yet to meet her. You will. Yeah, I will. And um, one of my friends said he was at a party. Uh, it was at this event, like some event and his partner was at the table and Oprah was, was walking, I guess had just given, been given an award or, or made remarks or whatever and was coming down the way with her people to the exit. Yeah. And he was right by where she, where her eyeline was. And so he was right there next to her and he goes, Oprah, he goes, it's my dream to meet you. And she said, get bigger dreams. Oh, wow. You know what I mean? And I was off the top of her head. That wasn't, well, that wasn't recorded. Like, no, not get bigger dreams. And that is such a testament to this woman who accomplished so much, who's given so much back to the world, whose philanthropic, you know, efforts have, you know, she created schools in Africa for girls. Like she, she has done so much for the world to make it better. And there's still this sense of humility that she's like, hey, 
I'm just a person as right. I'm a, just a human trying to do the best I can today. And sometimes it's good enough and sometimes not. And like, I'm doing my best. And as a result of that, look what she's done. So she, yeah. I, in my opinion, deserves to be on Mount Rushmore. Oh, absolutely. Sure. She deserves everything that she has. She, right she now. is just, she's just been so instrumental in lifting everybody up. Yeah. Not only just her community, because there's so many people that are like, oh, her community. I'm like, no, 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 no. Me, as an Italian-American, like, I look to Oprah, and I look to the people that she's lifted up. Like, there's this woman named Yanla Van Zandt, who is uh-huh. this extraordinary woman who goes into people's lives and helps oh, them. Oh, I... Yanla fix, fix my oh, life. Oh, I fucking love I her. I love her so much. I and fucking love I know, her. She's me, real. She is so she's real. real. I love her so much. And the reason, like, I... And I'm just going to go on this tangent for a minute is because I've read her book when my soul, my, my, my soul just opened up. Uh-huh. And I've read Maya Angelou. I know why the cage birds are who's another amazing Dr. Maya Angelou. May she rest. Um, but Yana Van Zandt specifically talks openly about her struggles, her struggles with her marriages, her struggles with her kids, her struggles with addiction and whatever. And she and how, you know, money, all of it, everything yeah. that went wrong in her life. I love her. And how she turned it around and created value from that. Yeah. And goes into people's life and goes and, you know, she and and predominantly black folks, because because, you know, black folks, from my experience of talking to people of color, they've said that black folks have have notoriously been shy about going, getting help and going in therapy or whatever like that, because it's just like it's not a thing they do. It's not in their community. It's not in their community. It's also not accessible. It's not accessible or it hasn't been sort of in their community to talk about that and be like, you know, I'm I'm fine. I'm going to take it on myself. What I love is that she goes into these families. She goes into these relationships. And even that, you know, what someone's do is burning her. She bites her tongue and she says, beloved, you need to listen to me. Like she, yeah. fierce. she gets in there. She is a fierce. It's someone, it's someone that I would not want to make eye contact with. Like, See, just I would like, love to make eye contact with Well, obviously with I would, but I would be like scared. Yes. Like, I'd be because like, fuck. she looks truth in the eye. Yeah. And she will She's tell a no you nonsense the truth. No kind nonsense. Of, oh, and I love watching her and I love seeing how she... She's all prayed up. She yeah. walks into these situations and she is just like, and you could tell by her, her being, you could tell when she is angered and she's like, Absolutely. okay, we need, you know, and I just, I love her so much. And Oprah gave her to us. Yeah. Oprah. Did he, sh- Oprah helped her get her start? Yes. How'd she find her? You know what? I'm not sure about, I, but I know that, I know that she wrote a book. I know that Oprah reviewed the book and I know that uh, just like Oprah, um, so she was the, she was probably working on a smaller scale. Yes, doing what she's doing yes. now. Yes, and yeah. I think that and Oprah definitely brought her to the to the you know to the to the world in a sense. Right, just like Rachel Ray, just like Doctor Phil, just like you know all these people that have have been helped. Doctor Oz that have been helped by Oprah. Yeah. you know, but I didn't know Doctor Phil got helped by Oprah. Oh yeah. So when when Oprah got sued many 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 moons ago for saying uh, there was something about meat. And she was like, oh, my gosh, I'll never eat meat again or something like that. Uh-huh. She said, made a comment like that. And the state of Texas, I believe, who was like, it was like this huge meat plant sued Oprah because she said that and was like, it was Jesus. like this whole thing against the meat industry. It was like way back in the day. And it was, I, th- I believe it was in Texas. It was like this huge Texas right. meat conglomerate. And Dr. Phil was her attorney. Really? Was like one of the attorneys on her side. And that's how, you know. Did. He did Texas. Did the state win? 
No, she won. Yeah. That's... But the thing is, is that like it was, I mean, you want to talk about, you want to have going up against, you know, a major right. force. Of, I mean, you're in they Texas. Have but time and money in right. Texas. Texas. You're a black woman. And you're a black woman. Mm. That's exactly right. right. You said something on, on your liberal t- you know, TV right. station about me. Oh, honey. These, those farmers and those people, those were meat proprietors were coming for her. Okay? Yeah, That's how she met Dr. Phil McGraw. That's yeah. how she met Dr. Phil McGraw. That is, I, I know. Isn't that, that incredible? Is yes. Okay, so we got, we got Whitney. Rocky. We got Rocky. We got Whitney, Whitney Houston. Houston. We got Oprah, Oprah Winfrey. Two powerful, all powerful people. Two powerful black women. Who we got? Who is the fourth person? The fourth person is, may she rest in peace. Notorious RBG, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Fucking, let's hear it for yes. RBG. I mean, let's hear it for the girl. I mean, yes. I R. just R. get very, I get very emotional because I recently watched a documentary about her, and I've known so much about her, and I've known over the years what she's done for families, what she's done for specifically women. Here is a Jewish woman who was one of nine women in her graduating class at Harvard. Yeah. Okay, back in like. The fifties, okay, unheard of, unheard of. Okay, she was she was a mom. She'd gotten pregnant. Um, she was married and got gotten pregnant just before she was ready to go to Harvard. And she was she was at a loss. She was like, I don't. Did know. Did she go to Harvard for undergrad? I believe no. She went to Harvard Law School. Law School. Okay, and she had met her husband. Yeah. And she had gotten pregnant, and she was. You know, at that time, it's like unheard of for a mom to like go to law school. Well, like, a mom to go to school, period. Not mom yeah. to go to school. And like the, you know, the the whole time, that time that it was, it's like, you're a mom. You should be at home watching. And so she talked to her, her parents and she talked to her in-laws and they all agreed. They were like, if you can do it, you should do it. Yeah. And if you want to do it, you should do it. So she went to Harvard Law School and... She graduated at the top of her class, okay? This is a Jewish woman post-World War II where at Harvard, it was as white, as waspy as it could possibly be. Like, like there were there no Jewish women yeah. post-World War II at Harvard Law, okay? So she graduates, and every man in her class gets a job at a law firm, and no one would hire her. Really? Not only would they not hire her because she was a woman, not only be, they wouldn't hire her because she was Jewish, yeah, but they wouldn't hire her because she was a mother. That's crazy. Okay, so three. So she started working in academia. She started working in academia and then went to work at the ACLU, you know, and and started working on behalf of families and beca- on behalf of women. And she started, you know, and it was like she worked. So she wasn't a practicing lawyer. She was ACLU. She was practicing until ACLU. She started. She started in academia. I mean, yeah. she was always when she graduated, you know, cum laude, like at the top of her class. Like she, she was a full blown lawyer. But right. No one no would one give would her hire. a job That's like crazy. at these like law firms. So she started in academia, and then she she, she taught law, and then did she, she stay in the East Coast on the East Coast? Yes. Yeah. Right. And then you know the ACLU, and it was like, and it wasn't, and then it was like, and then then when her her her. She started to gain, you know, traction. She was a, she was a law, you know, she was a, a one of those people that like every case that would come up that was like a, regarding women and yeah. something like that. Ruth Bader Ginsburg was on it, and finally, finally, Clinton, uh, he uh, he appointed her to the Supreme Court, and she 
It's been there for 20 There he is. There he is. William Jefferson Clinton appointed her uh, to the Supreme Court, and she was there for 27 years. <laughs> you knew his whole ass name. Yes. <laughs> 27 years. That 27 years fucking... until she died. She died of pancreatic cancer, I believe. And what I want to say about this extraordinary human that um, wrote a whole thing on the basis of sex, yeah. which was just all about what a woman wants in her, you know, in her life, in her career, what a woman needs, how a woman needs to be, uh, what she did for us is extraordinary. I mean, she belongs on my, several Mount Rushmore's yeah. of what she did. And also how she persevered being a woman in a time when being a woman was a, was a liability. Being right. a Jewish woman, which post-World War II, I mean, like, you know, just came from a genocide, you know, like her people were just tried to be, you know, they were almost wiped out in, right. you know, in, in Europe by Hitler. You know, then you have like, you have this woman who's a mom who has a, you know, who has a family life and who also still wants to pursue her degree in law because, because she can, because she has a mind, you know, a mind yeah. that she would. It's like, fucking genius. A genius. Exactly. So I just feel like that human being that extraordinary woman um belongs at mount rushmore yeah. for sure what a powerful mount rushmore yeah that isn't good for you thank you that's fucking great thank that's you the mount rushmore i would see yes and i, I press the button that like tells you their fucking story over and over again yes fuck yeah yes have you ever been to mount rushmore i have yeah it's beautiful it's i mean so... like, it essentially is just faces on a rock but it's so majestic because it's so big it's like i went there um I was on tour with a with a national tour of Cinderella. This was like this was I want to say like mid to late nineties, yeah. and um, we were going to be in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, several times during like a six month period. So we were going to go back and whatever. And the first time we were there, I said to my friends, "Let's go and see Mount Rushmore like now, yeah. like when when it's clear, whatever." We went. We saw it. We sat there, and there was like billions of stars in the sky. It was the most beautiful, beautiful thing. It was no lit up. It was like... lit up. It was so beautiful. And just to stare the, stare at it and see the 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 carvings and how beautiful it was. And then about three months later, we were back in Sioux Falls, and the other members of the of the cast wanted to see it. They're like, "Yeah, let's go and see it." They didn't want to see it before. They're like, "We're tired. We're hungover. Yeah. We don't want to go." Right. So we went and you couldn't see anything because it was foggy or whatever. Oh, no. And I was like, see, I'm so glad we saw it when we yeah. did because you just never know what the you know air that they like, um, like bombed, not bombed it, but like dynamite to carve like the features and stuff. They dynamited it, whatever the fuck, uh, within three inches of the carving and then they would chisel it. <gasps> so like they would wire it. And then explode it within three inches of what the final thing That's was. That's insane. The, the, the fucking crazy. Within three With inches? Three inches. Within three inches. And then they would chisel it, chisel it to get the features. <gasps> wow. All right, Patricia, tell the listeners where they can find you. Um, you can find me at the real Patricia Canale on Instagram. Perfect. Well, thank you for coming on. Thank you Love so you. much. Love you Bye. too. Bye. Bye.